From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. I want to talk to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're just going to look at verse 13 this morning. We're almost done with 1 Corinthians and so Paul is in the, the latter part of this letter, he, what we would call his salutations or, or the last ideas he's going to release to them. And he's doing this for maybe a couple reasons. One, these are things that are probably going through his mind that he's like, oh, I can't forget to tell them this because they need this. But it's also him understanding that there's a very real possibility that Paul will never be able to visit them or see them again. Think about the time period we're talking about. We're talking about a time period where all major travel was done through ships or it was done maybe by, by horseback, potentially, but it would, be, it would be rare for someone with Paul's means to be able to own a horse. He's probably hitching a ride or walking most of it. So Paul understands there's a very real possibility I might not see this family of mine, this young church that I'm trying to coach. And so he begins to step into some statements, and I want us to hear them from a father saying to his kids, I need you to pay attention to this. This will help you for your future. And so he says, be on guard, stand true to what you believe, be courageous, be strong, and everything you do must be done with love. Now we're going to take a look at 14 next week, Lord willing. This week we're going to look at be on guard, stand true to what you believe, be courageous, and be strong. If we look at that, the latter part of that, be courageous and be strong, it reminds us of a statement that's made to Joshua. Now, Joshua in chapter one is afraid. He's facing a difficult situation, and the size of the task, the difficulty of the situation, causes him to feel fear. How many have ever felt something like that in your life? You've faced something that made you a little concerned. And the Lord, in his tenderness, says, I get it that you're afraid, so my answer is, be strong. Be courageous. And it, it's laughable. You're like, that's really nice, God. But if you think about it, it's not just Joshua that that happens with. If you think about Abraham. The Lord calls Abraham to have an incredible amount of strength and courage. He leaves his homeland. He leaves Ur of the Chaldees. He's a wealthy man. He leaves his business. He packs it all up, and he takes off to a land that God's going to show him. In other words, he gets in his car. He finds a road, has no idea where he's going. How many would go someplace with someone if they said, get in the car with me. God told me to go. I'm not sure where we're stopping. He's just going to tell us when we get there. Most of us would say, you are certifiable. I'm not going with you. And yet Abraham embraces this with strength and with courage if you look at Esther, who we talked about earlier, this woman who's in captivity, she's, she's set aside for the potential of being married to the king, and, and so there's this incredible process that she goes through, and she doesn't even know if it's going to net anything yet, but all she knows is that her uncle Mordecai will say to her this statement, I need you to understand, you live in a time, you live in a season, you are where you are because God put you there, so face it with strength and courage. And so these statements, be strong, be courageous are not unfamiliar to us. And we understand through the stories of Scripture that what they really mean is the willingness to face what God's put you through with a trust that he's going to meet you in it. Does that make sense? So Paul says this, and all of us can look at our lives and say, we're all facing something that it's in the heart of God that he wants to be able to write our story, if we could put it that way, 
And our story, his desire is to say, look at this one, look at how they handled what I put them in, and look at what I was able to do because of that. You see, because if Abraham hadn't had the courage to trust God and chase, we would never have the story of Abraham. If Joshua hadn't had the courage to trust God in the midst of the difficulty he was facing, we would not have the story of Joshua and all the beautiful things the Lord did with him. If Esther didn't have the courage to trust God and she just said, there's no way I'm going to let myself be married to some crazy king. You want to know how crazy the king was? If you've ever seen the movie 300, the, the king that the, the, that the Greeks come up against is the man that Esther married. If you look at the movie, he is a bad, bad dude. Evil, unruly, thought he was God on earth. How many would know that most men don't need to believe they're God on earth? And yet, if she had not had the courage to step into the way the Lord had called her to go, we would never have that story. What's my point? Some of us, just like them, normal people, are facing major difficulties, major adversities, and the question is, can we be strong and courageous? Can we face it? And so this is what Paul's saying to this young church. I want to break this into the two different phrases. The first one, be on guard and stand true to what you believe, because I actually think there's a formula going on here. That being on guard, living on guard, standing true to what you believe is always precursory to being strong and courageous. Does that make sense? We have to do the first before we get to the second. So if we learn how to be on guard, stand true to what we believe, and we learn this principle well, it opens us up to become people that the Lord can put in situations and we will overcome because we're strong and courageous. Because I think that's what's in the heart of God in our day and in our time. That he's placed all of us in situations, whether it's a neighborhood situation or a work situation or a scholastic situation or a family situation, we're in a situation that we're facing and we need him to lead us through it. That make sense? This first phrase, be on guard. In the Webster's Dictionary, it is to be watchful or alert. In the Greek, it is to watch or to give strict attention to something to be vigilant. So the word deals with both vision and posture. I would say it this way. The word actually deals with the posture of vision. Now when we talk about vision, it's a word in our language we use every day to talk about what we see around us. When I see something, I'm using my vision to see it. In spiritual terms, in scriptural terms, it's almost always connected and linked to the ability to see long range in the spirit realm to have a long-range plan and, and, and have a sense of direction and where we're going. So vision, what it does is it shapes what we focus on. Now, Proverbs is an important place in chapter 29. Proverbs will say this, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Okay, so there's a mathematics law that we use in theology when you're studying scripture. How many remember reciprocal values? Remember that in math? If you have one-fourth, the reciprocal one-fourth is what? Four over one. And when you do math, it's cool. They cancel each other out, and you get back to one. It's super fun. <laughs> well, when you're studying Scripture, if you use reciprocal value, in other words, to say the exact opposite of a statement is equally true. So if we say where there is no vision, people cast off restraint, I want us to consider the reciprocal value. Where there is vision... 
people live with boundaries. And so we look at this be on guard idea. Vision here is divine guidance. In the Hebrew, in, in Proverbs 29, that word vision means divine guidance. It means I'm no longer living by what I see, but I'm living by what the Lord is whispering, revealing, and speaking. Maybe we say it this way, that vision is the gathering of God intelligence. And it comes through hearing his voice and knowing his scripture. What happens if we say it this way? Without the gathering of God intelligence, it won't be possible to live a God-directed life. Paul will go on and say, stand true to what you believe. Be on guard and stand true to what you believe. This phrase, stand true, is honestly, a, 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 it's an invitation to stubbornness. Now, we generally think of stubbornness as a negative thing, but the root word here deals with a determination to remain aligned in a specific position. I'm not going to move. As in to have no leaning or deviation from that position. How many could understand this statement? Faith is not a feeling. And there's an incredible danger if we don't understand that statement. Because if I don't understand that faith is not a feeling, whenever I feel something, it begins to adjust my faith. But what faith is instead is it's a determination of action that actually reveals what we believe. So Paul's calling this young culture to an alignment of belief that is revealed by their choices in everyday life. So to stand true is a pattern of action, or maybe not action, maybe non-action, that's motivated by what we believe. So why would Paul teach this? Because Paul understands his goal for them is, I want God to be able to use you so he can write a story about you, about the way you stood with strength and courage in the midst of whatever situation he put you in, and you overcame it. But I need you to understand this, that there's a danger in humanity, there's a tendency in us to disconnect our belief set when we feel inclined to act outside of it. I know that's a big phrase. Let me, let me, let me, let me reduce it down. We change what we believe when we want to sin. When what I believe doesn't align with what I want to do, there's a dangerous tendency in humanity to change what we believe. How do we do that? By allowing behaviors that are not what the kingdom teaches, and then we work to justify them. We do things we know are wrong, and then we shift what we believe to make it right. Newsflash, it never made it right. So Paul sees that tendency in this young Corinthian culture and he says something to them that I want to say to us. Be stubborn in your alignment to your belief. How? How do I do that? How do I live stubborn in my alignment to my belief? I want to show you something. It's this. We have to become a people that live from the scriptures. There's a dangerous relationship that I see in the church. We like the Bible we like talking about the Bible, but there's something incredibly supernatural about the willingness to live from this word. It's God-breathed, it's what the scriptures say about themselves, and they're able to lead us into righteousness. 
And we have to be willing to become a people that do not allow anything in our lives that is contrary to what the scriptures teach. And some of us would say, well, I don't really know what they teach. That is a problem. (laughs) But you have a Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you. His promise to the church is to be a guide and a teacher, the one who reveals truth. Which means every single one of us, when we pick it up and we study it and we begin to read, even the stuff that feels funny, we don't know what it means, we just sit with him and say, Holy Spirit, will you show me what this means? And he walks through it with us and he guides us through it. But church, we have to become a people that make the decision to live by what this says, period. Instead of becoming a people that allow a certain amount of gray area in our lives where we say, well, I know it says this, but I really want to do this. Can I, I just want to, I'm not trying to be harsh, but any decision I make that's not aligned with this is actually sin. Because I've went AWOL from my king. What I've said is I know you gave a code, I know you gave a, a word, but I don't want to do what you said because I don't like what it says. And what we're doing in that moment is robbing ourselves of an opportunity to stand in strength and courage. Because a lot of times, those are the very situations that he's longing to write our story through. The second thing is when you fail, because we will, because we're human, stop and repent. Repentance is to look at something that the Lord says is wrong and say... I agree, that was wrong. And to go a different direction. So when I find myself failing, I find myself justifying something or whatever it is, I've stepped into a a, a pattern of behavior that's wrong, I just stop and I say to the Lord, it doesn't have to be sackcloth and ashes and tears, it can just be super common. Say, Lord, I've been doing this and I know it's wrong, I need your forgiveness and I need your strength, I'm gonna walk back the right direction. Instead of doing this thing that we see in our culture that's so dangerous, Often, we will justify our mistake and redefine our belief system instead of repenting. You see, holiness and purity means what we believe shapes how we live. And there's a scriptural perspective on every aspect of life, church. And I believe our responsibility before God is to be people that will find it. Well, mine it. Maybe you're in here and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty new to this. I, there, I, there, that's a lot to know, wow. That's why we have relationships and accountability in the kingdom to where you find somebody who's been in the faith for a while and you say, hey, I'm struggling with this area right here. Can you give me some coaching on it because I'm not sure what the scripture teaches. We see that in scripture. Pastor Gary talked about it a couple weeks back about Paul and Apollos. And Apollos, there's a passage about Apollos that says there's these two people, Priscilla and Aquila, and they pulled Apollos aside and they taught him the way of God more excellently. Which means they just said, we love you, we think you're awesome, but you believe some super wacky stuff, we're gonna show you what it actually says. Until we do these two things, we never have the opportunity to be strong and courageous. Until we're willing to live on guard. We're willing to stand true to what we believe. And I know that that's hard sometimes, to stand true to what you believe. Because sometimes it deals with my home. Sometimes it deals with my job. Sometimes it deals with how I'm going to interact with people. Where I know what the kingdom says. I know what the Lord's told me to do. But I just don't want to do it because I don't feel it. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Emotions 
are wonderful servants and terrible masters. Because if we look at this word, be courageous, the word literally means in the Greek to act like a man in the quitting, which is a very strange phrase. You're like, what does that mean? We have to remove ourselves from our modern day because to say act like a man in our day is a strange phrase that doesn't carry a lot of value. To say it in this day, we're in the day of the Greeks, we're in the day of the Spartans, we're in the day of, of, of a different kind of, of man who would give himself to a cause, would give himself unto death in a cause. What it really means is he never quit. He would set his trajectory and never quit. And so we understand this word really means an unwillingness to quit in the face of adversity and difficulty. Maybe we say it different. It's a willingness to suffer difficulty for a purpose and a cause. And that causes our faith. And that tells me a couple things, church, that we need to know. Difficulty and adversity are part of the journey. They're part of our faith journey. And we're so hardwired to pull away from everything that hurts. And sometimes those things that are so tough and they hurt so much are the very places where the Lord's saying, I need you to just to not quit. Stay the course, be courageous. This phrase, be strong here, it literally doesn't deal with the possessing of strength. It deals with an attitude to be willing to grow in strength. Which tells me that weakness is normal and all weakness is, when I feel weak, is it's an indicator of a place the Lord wants to strengthen. So all I have to say is, I'm going to stay the course. I'm not leaving what you said to do. I'm not leaving your voice. And I know you will make me strong in this thing. Amen. I think strength is grown by acknowledging our weakness and challenging it. And Paul will say to this young church, be on guard, stand true to what you believe, be strong and courageous. And I would say to us, be on guard, stand true to what you believe, become a people that live in the secret place. You hear the voice of God, you study the scriptures. And you're so fortified in that alone place that when the Lord puts you into a tough situation, you will say this, Lord, I will not quit. I'm gonna stay the course and I trust you to strengthen me. In other words, face your situation because God is using it to make you stronger. And Paul will say this to this young culture because he knows there's going to be a tendency to wanna pull away from tough stuff. And if they do that, they will miss their God moment. Let's stand. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at VintageCityChurch.com.